Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy. And this is Sana. Yay, we're back. And later we have a very exciting interview with Celia Keenan-Bolger, who plays Agent Pierce in Marvel's Wolverine the Long Night. But before we get to that, we are both about to head to L.A. for some exciting, fun series of events uh, from Marvel Rising. I'm so excited. I'm really excited. You guys have heard me say Marvel Rising more than I've said anything. Like, I feel like I've said Marvel Rising more than I've said my name. More than I've said your name, Judy. Maybe, likely, yes. Yeah. I think I, I just... I, I said, mean, you are producing this. Yes. This is I, your baby. I am producing it. I feel like, though, we've been working on it for so long, it was this idea that we had, and now it's coming to life. And the shorts already launched, and they are actually on Marvel HQ right now. Go check it out. And the official Marvel Rising Secret Warriors film is coming out September 30th on the Disney Channel, 10 p.m. I know it's late, but stay up. Pop that extra popcorn. Let your children or whatever. Just make sure they have an extra nap that day. Yeah. And then also while you're watching it, you should also DVR it so you can watch it again Correct. next day. Well, also speaking of Rising... New York Comic Con. Yes. New York Comic Con is coming up October 4th through the 7th. Uh, We've got a stage event on Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Yes. And we've also got our panel on Sunday at... 12.15 12.15 p.m. in room 1A06. Ooh, that's a good time. It is a good time. It's not too early. It's not too late. Yeah. So it's just right. It's just right. And come check us out. And, and honestly, we would love if after the panel, people would come and just like talk to us. Yeah. So yes. So wait, we did an interview. So we're talking to Celia Keenan-Bolger today, who is the voice actress on Marvel's Wolverine The Long Night. And that is our scripted podcast series. It's the first time we've done something like that before. We did it with Stitcher. Uh, highly re- recommend you check it out. Yeah, like she, you know, we talked a little bit about of like her growing up in Detroit and deciding to get into uh, musical theater and moving to New York. It was great. And then we talked about her being a mom. And also she's going to be playing Scout in To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. It opens Ooh, up uh, cool. in December, which I am super excited for. Well, I'm so glad we were able to, to chat with her. Not only because, wait, she's just a really incredible actress with like great resume on Broadway. But, you know, this is the first time we're doing a special podcast like this. And hopefully we'll do some more because I think people just want more fun Marvel stories in a very unexpected way. So let's go to that interview. Let's let's get down to business. You're from Detroit. I'm yeah, from Detroit. Correct. That's really all that's important here. Hometown no. pride. <laughs> but Wolverine the Long Night, you know, is kind of amazing. It's kind of scary. Why don't you talk a little bit about what that sort of audio podcast, this like audio scripted narrative came and how you became to be joining it? Yeah, I got the audition and was so fascinated just because I was like this the whole like Marvel scene I'm really interested in and I really love a podcast and I was like a scripted podcast like a like a clip clop shoes in the door and like radio show kind of podcast or like what do they mean a scripted podcast and I was like I just don't totally understand like where where this is going to go and then they sent like Brendan and Chloe's information and they were like maybe you know love and radio and I was like oh interesting like that opens up a little space in my imagination and I like you know went and recorded something (laughs) and they came back with notes which you know sometimes when you audition they're like we have a little bit of feedback and can you do it again and 
I thought the notes were so good, which is not usually how I feel, or that they're just like, be peppier. And you're like, huh, okay. <laughs> but these were actually sort of nuanced, and it was very much like, like she is all business. So like whatever sort of softness you have, like maybe to bring bring that back a little bit and then more specifics. And I just felt like, huh, that makes this even more interesting because these notes are, are pretty good. And then I got the offer and like talked to Brendan, I don't know, like a week before we started recording. And I just found him so collaborative immediately where he was just like, I really am interested in ideas you have about the character and about like the storytelling. And and that was also kind of surprising considering that it was this new medium that we were all trying to figure out. And I feel like there were two ways to do it, which is that one would be like, you know, the director is like, I have a really strong vision for this and this is what we're going to do. And then there was the version that we did, which is I think they did have a really strong sound vision or I guess aural <laughs> idea of how it was going to come across. But that in terms of storytelling and character and the way that we made the thing, it was like really the best idea wins. And that's a very, very nice way to come to work. So it was an enormously satisfying experience on top of being like really interesting and fun. So you play Agent Sally Pierce, who mm-hmm. is an FBI detective who comes to this small town in Alaska yes. to basically investigate these murders and somehow Wolverine's involved. Yeah. And I feel like when I first read the script, I was like, "Ooh, she's she's tough. Like she's not particularly empathetic. And then as I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, it's actually so nice. Like, I feel like sometimes when we have like cops, we're like, we've got the like hot-headed guy cop over here. And then we have like the empathetic and like, well, you just need me to like get them to really talk lady that takes care of everything. And I was like, in this, the roles are sort of reversed, which I found really interesting. And I just having the little experience that I had with Wolverine where I was like, how is all this going to like play into what I know as like the script pages that I've gotten. And I've just felt like the reveals were were really exciting. And, you know, I think one of the interesting things, and we were talking about this off camera, but that you guys recorded all together in a room, yes. which is, I think it really adds to the sort of cinematic experience and also the way that you guys are all supposed to work off each other. You guys got to like look across and like look that them in the eye. That was so really like because when I signed up for it I did not realize that that's what it was going to be I expected to be in an isolation booth with headphones the whole time and so to like show up and they were like okay we have this crazy mic and we've like blocked out every scene and I was like wait what are you talking about like blocking because and they're like because like where you stand in the room will affect how the microphone like picks things up and like just silly things like when you stand up what that does to your voice or what that does to energy and like all of those things that of course make sense to me but that I hadn't really considered but more than anything especially with like the outdoor stuff like we went like into the woods and we're like doing all of this recording and I was like this you could not I don't think you could make in a studio like just being able to be out in nature and experiencing like what all of that does to how you feel and how your voice sort of comes across it was just really it was surprising how they made it and how enjoyable it was to do it that's kind of great I mean it's so podcasting and sort of these scripted audios more people are listening to them and obviously this is sort of Marvel's first dip into this world mm-hmm. but it's it's interesting to see how people listen to it too I think yeah. it's so different and I think you know when we finished it we were like well we know way more 
than most people about making a scripted podcast because I think podcasts are so huge right now and I'm so excited about that. But I also think we are going to sort of, I mean, I know like in my own feed that I'm just like, it's like politics and culture and then like relationship or like beauty advice. And you're like, I want to branch out. And so I think fiction is such a smart and I think Marvel is so smart to understand like that market because I want more of that. And I feel like I weirdly have been listening to a few audiobooks recently and I was like, it's not the same. Like the episodic and having different voices, like voicing the characters, is just really satisfying. Yeah. I mean, it's it is really interesting to sort of listen to it and the different sounds of like things happening. And you're like able to put it all together in your mind. It's almost as if you're like reading a book in your brain. Yes. But, it's, but you don't have to do any of the work. I feel like I I feel like all of the interviews that I've done for this, I hadn't been able to hear the whole thing. But it's true. Like they have a, some sort of channel to your imagination that's like not so specific that it's like music to like make you feel a certain way. But that is like so many. I mean, I remember like going and visiting them with their computer screen open and they were like, here are the 82 sound files that are for this like three minutes. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like so many layers of ways to to evoke, you know, where the scene is and what they're, they want us to feel. And I feel like in such an amazing way, you aren't hit over the head with like, okay, now we want you to feel really scared or really uplifted or whatever. Like it's so subtle, but it is I think, enormously effective. How do you think you going on stage and, and a lot of the things that gets done in an audio podcast is sort of similar to being on stage. How do you think you were able to sort of adapt the two worlds? It's interesting. Like, I think a big part of it, and this is more when I first was on Broadway and now I've sort of branched out a little bit, but so much of what I did was new material. And so you were constantly being asked to like try new things or like they would come in with new pages and you would do a different version. And Chloe and Brendan were always saying, like, storytelling-wise, like, how does this track for you? And that I realized, I was like, oh, my muscle for understanding at least my own character's trajectory is, like, a little bit stronger because I have played a lot of new characters where I was like, I just don't know if we, like, are with this character when they make this turn. And so that part of it, I feel like, was really helpful. So so taking a slight step back, what drew you to Broadway, to stage, to wanting to be an actress? I think, if I really think about it, like I saw a play in Detroit, a musical, <laughs> The Sound of Music, when I was like five years oh old. Part of me wants to start singing. <laughs> we don't own that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but I was like, oh, that I want to I do that. And my parents are like, okay, great. Like along with gymnastics and soccer, like that'll be another thing that you do. And then like as it went on, if I really, really think about it, it was the people that I was like, here are all these like little nerds along with me that like The Sound of Music and Annie Get Your Gun or whatever nonsense we were doing that. I mean, I think I liked being on stage. But when I like really think back to those early years that I was like, oh, these people are really fun and make me feel like myself and that. I think <laughs> to some like large degree, that is still true. That I'm like, I'm really in it like 70% for the art form and like 30% for the people. 
you know, you say that about the people. I hung out with all the musical kids in high school. Um, I was really bad at basically like going on stage and trying trying out for things. I'd forget mm-hmm. words. But all my friends were musical people. So I remember seeing The Phantom of the Opera, downtown sure. Detroit. Oh, yeah. And being like, oh, I want to do that. Opera. Yeah. No. But the community, the, the people, we were like the weird, we were the quirky. I mean, now, now weird and quirky is cool. Totally. I'm going to tell you right now that I was not one of the cool ones. <laughs> that we were weird and quirky and you were just like, those guys over there, good for them. They like love to sing and dance. <laughs> that was more my speed. Yeah. But there was, there's something about being young and ha- being able to collaborate on sort of this theatrical, musical thing that you really didn't get a lot when you were a teenager. No, totally. And I think it's just so helpful when you're young feeling like you're sort of good at something and like being around other people. I don't know, maybe it's just where I grew up. But like the people that I did theater with growing up were so supportive and not particularly competitive. A big part of it was just feeling like a sense of self-confidence, which I could never have actually like, <laughs> verbalized at the time, but it did give me some kind of sense of self. And it's so interesting, like, I think about, there were sort of two brands of actors, like, that I grew up with, and I think this still sort of applies, that they're, like, the wackadoo, like, loves to be the center of attention personality, and then, like, the one that's, like, do you see these dust particles in the corner? I, like, can't stop looking at them enough. <laughs> and also I'm observing, like, all of this behavior around me. And I'm, like, a little – and I feel like I was somewhere kind of in between. But it's, like, you do get to be around a lot of different kind of people who are somehow interested in, like, this mode of self-expression that makes them feel a little bit more comfortable with themselves. I don't know. I really liked that. I mean, I totally get that because thinking about the intellectual conversations I had at, like, 15 – in high school and what that meant to me later and sort of re, especially in Michigan, which, you know, you talk about like Detroit's really trendy and hip right now. But, you know, when both of us grew up there, it was not a good place. And you went to Detroit high school, which Mm -hmm. in itself and a a good Detroit high school, which is was a rare commodity. I think that we were even more lucky to have those type of people to interact with. Completely. And I think if you are in the business of like being a theater artist for a very long time, your capacity for empathy, like you're just so often trying to understand people from a point of view that you may not agree with or you may not understand or that you're trying to constantly justify actions of a character that you're like, this is not how I would react in this situation. And I think ultimately that is like a really good muscle to get strong when you're young. And do you think that when you sort of think of empathy, is that how you sort of decide to choose the characters that you do? Because you do sort of a wide range of them. And we go from like Agent Pierce or, you know, you've done such fascinating characters on Broadway. Yeah, I feel like there was like a a phase of my career where I got to play like a lot of sort of like wounded, very vulnerable women. And I was like, I really like this. This feels nice. <laughs> and then I remember someone being like, what's your, like, what do you want to do next? And I was like, I think I would like to play somebody, like, really terrible. Just, like, mean, mean, mean. And that there is something exciting about trying to give dimension to people that you don't necessarily understand or agree with. I mean, that, I think, is a big part of how I choose the kinds of characters I want to play. And a lot of it also has to do with, like, who's working on the project. And that was, I mean, honestly, with Long Night, that I was like, 
like if I had done that initial audition and gotten feedback back and like didn't know, like have any reference point for the director, I probably would not have been as excited or maybe wouldn't have put myself on tape again. But because it was Brendan and because I knew his work and because he was so thoughtful in his comments, I was like, this is definitely a room that I want to be in. And I feel like more and more when people are like, what's your dream role now that I'm like, it's so much less about that. And it's like, who are the people that we can assemble to make something? That that is the thing that, I mean, it goes back to, I'm like, I just like to be around the people. But that I think that still kind of drives what I'm the most interested in. It's like, who are the people that I want to work with? It's so funny the way, like where as an actor, just like where your career takes you and like what happens because of things that I think, you know, part of like being an actor is you're like, I'm trying to sort of, put out into the universe or just like into my brain like these are the kinds of projects that I would like to be a part of and so you have like that space and then you have the space that's just like well I could never have imagined that I would end up here I mean I feel like the next job I'm doing which is this new version of To Kill a Mockingbird like if somebody was like what do you think about like playing Scout in To Kill a Mockingbird I'd be like what are you crazy <laughs> I'm a grown-ass woman <laughs> it's like that's not gonna that's not going to be a thing. And I remember, like, even when it was announced, I was like, are there any roles for, like, middle-aged women <laughs> in To Kill a Mockingbird? Like, was there a next-door neighbor or something? And then, like, because of a crazy series of events, like, now I'm going to, like, open on doing that in the fall. And so, like, there is – I feel like as much as you want to try to manifest jobs that are exciting to you, you also have to, like, keep this space open for, like, oh, that was never on my radar. But – how lucky for me to end up like over here. I mean, life does pretty funny and great things. Yes, so agreed. I will say when I read that you were going to do To Kill My Humor, I was like, oh, my God. Because I read and wrote so many book reports on that. But yeah. thinking about it now. Wow. Yeah. I've so. like done a big I just like came back from a trip to Alabama where I was like, I'm going to just go check out what Monroeville, Alabama's doing these days because I haven't sp spent that much time there. And I've like been reading all about Harper Lee. I don't know. I and just rereading that book and so many of the themes that I feel like in 56 through 63 of like our country is being taken over by people of color and we have to protect what we have that we have like really made a circle back around here in 2018 in a way that I was like that makes me excited to put this on stage again. And I think that just for myself to get to do something commercially that also has some resonance for where we are in our culture right now is like really, really special. Yeah, like this podcast, I feel so honored to do it because it is like a little soapbox for me to talk about things that I care about. But something like doing To Kill a Mockingbird on the stage or playing certain characters on like maybe an audio podcast, you know, you're able to dip your toe into certain issues yeah without maybe not necessarily putting like you don't a it's big, like a fire yeah you yes know? I agree and I think especially like someone like Scout Finch is like one of the great like female literary characters of all time and when I think of like young people who will maybe get to see this who will have like a reference point for the novel and just for you know like I think playing strong women anytime you get to do it is only good for the world and also playing really flawed women is really good for the world too but that in this moment i feel really excited to get to 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 revisit her yeah 
And it's important to have women. Yeah. All types of women. On stage, on screen, on podcast. Yes. So That is one of my fa- – I mean, that's one of the things about Marvel that I feel like that's been the truth from the beginning that, like, before we were talking as much about representation and all of the ways in which we need there to be, like, a sort of parody in, in of all kinds. Marvel has just always been, like, a tiny step ahead in their understanding of, like, badass ladies. And I feel like that's – I really appreciate that. I mean, I certainly appreciate that working at this company <laughs> yeah. as a woman who runs a podcast. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. And you do a lot for sort of for advocacy, sort of like you, you sort of use your your Broadway prowess to do different things. And I think that's also great, especially, you know, doing things for for being a mom mm-hmm. and encouraging, you know, women not to not be afraid to have children if they still want to be on Broadway. Yeah. I feel like I've had different moments in my life where I felt strongly about something and I think if I wasn't a mother and I saw some lady talking about like you know being a parent I would feel like I just don't care about your problems (laughs) ma'am but then when you're inside of it you're like oh okay so this actually is like there is a space that we aren't totally addressing and that I think in the version of trying to have it all there is just an expectation it's just like shut up and be happy that you have it all and like do your job and Raise your kids and, like, maybe drink too much wine and that's what we're okay with? Like, girl, you need some wine because you're exhausted. I'm like, what if we maybe had, like, less wine and a little more conversations about how hard it is to have it all? Like, that I think that has become something that I've just become a little more interested in once I'm, like, trying to juggle it. And and just my sort of relationship to motherhood, not only as an artist, but just as a woman and being like, it is a lot of different things than what I thought it was going to be and that my expectations of how I would live in it and how I would feel about it, I have been disappointed in myself. And I feel like by putting that out there, hopefully there will be some other people that are like, oh, good, I also felt that way and I feel less crazy because other people are talking about it. So I feel really lucky to have a... Yeah, I think that the internet is very good at telling you what they think you should do. And not understanding the spectrum. And I think that might be hard for, you know, women in Broadway who aren't necessarily like in the front, aren't like star power, but they still want to have a family. They want to have a life. Yes. And that that, you know, I get to do all of this and I genuinely am so happy to have all of this. But I'm constantly at battle with the fact that I feel a little bit deficient in all areas, which is not something that I was very used to before I had a child that I was like, if I show up, I'm going to like show up and I'm going to bring my like a game and you're going to get the best of me. And now I'm like, well, I'm like barely giving my B game. And when I get home to my kid, they're not getting like the goods either because like I'm tired and trying to navigate like bedtime or whatever nonsense that there is this sort of if you if you're somebody who like prides themselves on like you know being accomplished and good at a lot of things and that I think that has really been something where I was like oh it's going to be a long time till you feel that way again and that's uncomfortable especially for the first year and that was something I could not have prepared myself for in a lot of ways oh man that was also though a really interesting part of this podcast is like I was able to, like, bring my two-year-old and be like, this is another thing that I do that is so crazy. And he would just, like, walk around in the little studio, like, picking up gravel. And I was like, yeah, that's, like, what we walk on to make a funny sound. And he's just like, what are you – what is your job? Oh, my God. That's so great, It is. It's amazing. And to have a space where, like, a 
kid can come and like see your work. That's not how a lot of people operate or people's jobs operate. Did you dress them up like Wolverine? (laughs) No, no. Maybe this Halloween? (laughs) Oh my God, you should. (laughs) Kind of, right? Just a three-year-old Wolverine? Or or is he going to be an FBI agent? Right, right. That's true. Because now you have the opportunity to address your child before your child knows what oh, is yeah. happening. So totally. you got to take that opportunity totally. and run with Last it. Last year, I was like, William, what do you want to be for Halloween? And he was like, a chicken. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's so Wait, great. What? Did you and dress then, him up as like a chicken? Yeah. But then, of course, the day of Halloween, he was like, but also a fireman chicken. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we, we'll just figure out what that looks like. So it was like the day of where everybody was like, what is he? Like he's a fireman chicken. Wait, so was he wearing like a chicken costume when you put a fireman hat on him? Um, yes, and like a a tiny coat at the beginning, like a fireman's coat. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. So who knows where we're going this year? I'll be like, how about if uh, an FBI agent? He'll be like a fireman FBI agent. We're like, okay, fine. <laughs> or an astronaut FBI. That's agent. Right, exactly. And that's amazing that you're able to take him. And I mean, obviously, he doesn't quite understand what's going on yet. But like growing up and seeing what your mom is doing is kind of astounding. Yeah. And I think in the moments when I'm like in despair about how absent I can be, that I feel like, and I say this to him all the time, like, I'm so lucky to have a job that I love. And so like, while I really miss you when I'm at work. I'm like doing work that I love and that is important to me and important to our family. So I also think honestly, like for me, when I'm not working, my ability to like fret about all of the ways that I'm failing as a mother or that like what's going on over here with him and what's going like when you're working, that bandwidth is just like occupied and that that is good for child and for mother. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, thinking about being healthy to to have like that break away from the child and the child needs to figure out what life is. Uh-huh. I think what's so hard is that I read enough things of like women who did it a certain way and I was like, yes, that sounds so healthy and right. And then you're like trying to do it in your own life and you're like, this is not me. And I feel embarrassed or I feel bad that I can't make this work for myself, but I can't. And so like I just think more than anything what I have been trying to practice is like good for you not for me, but like genuinely no judgment that like what I think is so hard in cases of motherhood is especially when you're working a lot is like trying to make sure that you're doing it right when in fact it's like there is no right. Well, whatever is right is like what's right for your family and that that has been I'm, I'm just I'm, that that'll be life's work for me. I mean, and, and advice is something that this is actually great advice um, because there's always this thing that women don't work in this industry and women don't work in, you know, but that's not true because women have always worked in these industries. I mean, what do you think would be advice for young people coming up that wants to do maybe Broadway or sort of the path that you've somehow taken? I think I remember in college, like there was a professor that was like, the key to success is the graceful execution of plan B. And I was like, that's good. And I feel like in my life, particularly because there is so much rejection in being an actor, that your ability to figure out like, okay, that didn't work out how I thought it would. Is there a way that I can like continue to pursue all of this and like not feel totally beaten up by all of the rejection that I'm about to get? And that it's, I think... That that has served me and continues to serve me. But I think particularly when you're young 
And when I was young that I was like, I have to do this. I have to get this. I have to get this. And it's like none of that stuff happened on the timeline that I thought it would. But it all worked out just fine. And it's really, of course, it's so easy for me to say that now because I'm like, and I've like been on Broadway, blah, blah, blah. But that I think when you're inside of it, it's harder to feel like, is this ever going to work out? And the truth is, like, you're also allowed to change your mind about what you thought you wanted to do. Like, you really can do that. And I, I know so many people who have done that and have made incredible lives for themselves and they feel like enormously gratified. So I think that's another part of it. It's like, whether you're 14 or 40, you can change your mind about who you want to be and what you want to pursue. I mean, that's that's actually fabulous advice. I think it's really important that we send kids off to college at like 17, 18, and they have to decide what their life is. But like, really, you can decide what your life is at any point in yes, your life. Yes, totally. And especially like our culture is changing so much right now. Like, I think that if you have that feeling that's like, I really like this and I like how it makes me feel, like if you can continue to pursue that, I think that just really, it helps being an adult so much. <laughs> it, it helps being like that point where you reach an age and you're like, wow, 22-year-old me was not smart. But now 33-year-old <laughs> me is like, okay. I understand some more things. <laughs> Maybe. But I mean, I think that's the best part about getting older. Yeah, totally. And that like that's only going to continue that you're like, I'm just like gathering the information about myself, trying to like make better decisions and like bring that thing up over there. So that hasn't gone away. But like, I'm just <laughs> going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And yeah, we're all just doing our best. We're figuring it out. That's right. Yeah. Just like Agent Pierce. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, so the, the podcast is all available now. So exciting. You can go listen to it right now. Go do that for I mean, yourself. wait, you Put should finish this headphones. podcast first and then. That's right. And then <laughs> head on over. Yeah. Put on some headphones and like give yourself a little treat. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us. This oh my gosh, great. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. Thank you so much, Julia. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again to Celia for joining us. Uh, it was great having her. Bye. And uh, we even talked more Detroit off the mic. Make sure you guys are heading to New York Comic Con October 4th through the 7th. And you've got our stage event and our panel penciled in. Our stage event is on Saturday at 10.30 a.m. at the Marvel booth. And our panel is on Sunday at 12.15 p.m. in room 1A06. Make sure you get in line. You might get a pin. That's it for this week, guys. We'll see you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>